Hey everybody, Steve DeLaviaga, CEO and founder of Rise Consulting. I love this podcast with Nick Waldner. It's sponsored by one of our best partners out of Las Vegas, Phil Arich and Brian DeSimone of First Option Financial. Great group, great partners, and this is a five by five. You'll help you grow more business. It's a sphere of influence focus, and it's something everybody can do. Give it a shot. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy. Rise up. Make it a great day. Good morning, everybody. Steve DeLaviaga, Sales Excellence Podcast. We are focused on what I'm calling the gap. This is the gap between what we do now up until new normal returns, which will be, I mean, people have all kinds of theories. It looks like it's going to be 30 to 60 days. But right now, what we do in this gap will determine the next 90 to 120 days once we're back in this fight. I've got on the phone with me one of my favorite people in the world, a gentleman who grew his business 1,000% from 35, 40, 45 deals a year to now over 400 deals a year. He's an actual voracious learner, fantastic partner, and one of the most requested Rise Mastermind speakers we have on the network. Mr. Nick Walder, how are you, Nick? Hey, I appreciate that, Steve. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't take this lightly. Like, this is an awesome group. It's been a, a great opportunity to mastermind with some of the other speakers and just very impressed with what you've done appreciate that my brother and what i love is nick is that we've been through the battles right i mean oh, we've yeah. seen we've seen 0809 we've seen peaks and valleys and now you have a two-year-old so you're like in the middle of it my brother <laughs> <laughs> yes and when you're home during all of this quarantine and your two-year-old is constantly excited to see you and constantly wants to come in and say hi and interrupt anything that's going on. It's difficult. It's, it's a challenge. It's a new challenge that, you know, we've, we've done really well with and I'm excited to be in it. I love it. So Nick, listen, this is called the gap. What we do to come out of this and crush our business over the next 920 days when it's back to normal. I want to start first with this though. I believe AI is the single greatest talent you can have. And it's not artificial intelligence. It's adversity intelligence. Because Mm. everybody I've ever met in my life that is fantastic, that has super levels of success, has had a high degree of adversity response. And because of that, gone on to bigger and better. So give me, what was the adversity event that happened in your life that most helped shape who you are today? What was that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think uh, I'm going to take it way back to high school because I think we're going to hear too much about what's going on right now. So I want to take you way back to high school. You know, I'm in the eighth grade, excited to go to high school the next year. I spent my summer kind of goofing off and, and, and not really doing anything. And then I went freshman year, went to try out for the soccer team and I got cut from the team. And here's a sport that I was playing my whole life. I actually thought I was pretty good at it. I wasn't real concerned about getting the work and the preparation in, in order to make that team. And I was crushed because it was probably my first true failure that kind of hit me in the face um, through schooling and things like that. So that was a very tough blow. And what I realized was, okay, the reason that I failed, the reason that I didn't get picked is not because of the coach, not because of the team, not because of any other reason than I didn't work hard enough. So then I put myself on a path. I had never played lacrosse in my life. And I said, well, that's the next sport that I would, you know, that's coming up in the spring. So I'm going to spend the next three months preparing for lacrosse tryouts. 
even though I didn't play and in my area in Maryland, lacrosse is like the biggest sport in the world. So people played since they were two <laughs> years old. I, I thankfully made the team and I think it was by the skin of my teeth because I was not very good. And, you know, I was able to go on to become, uh, you know, the captain of the team by senior year, leading the counting score and all the other accolades that we all think is important in high school. Obviously, it's not now. But what I learned from that is if you want something, you've got to put in the work when no one's looking. You've got to get everything in line. You've got to get your schedule down. You've got to get your focus down and prepare for that, that, that battle that you're going to go into. People want the glory without the guts. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, you just gave the best line ever. It's what you do when nobody's looking that makes the biggest impact. You know what's funny, Nick? So many of our Rise Nation killers have the same type of thing. It started in a sport or in a music where you were cut or told you weren't good. It was the, you could have said, that coach doesn't know what he's doing. You could have said, like, that was ridiculous. They just picked their friends. And my guess was when you went home to mom and dad, uh, knowing you a little bit, mom and dad would have been like, hey, it's on you, right? Is that how that went? Yeah, there there was not a lot of sympathy when I got home. It was much more like, well, how much did you practice? And how much did you run? And how much were you working out? And did you get in the you know, workout, you know, gym, blah, blah, all these things were like all these questions where I was like, well, no, well, no, well, no, well, no. And then it was like, well, we love you. We're sorry you didn't get picked. But you know, that's part of life. And I was like, well, that is not what I wanted to hear. I wanted somebody to baby me and tell me it wasn't my fault. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you, wanted, you wanted to get an excuse. You could just react to it and blame someone else. But instead, you gave a response. Yes. I love it. And I think knowing you the little bit that I do now and all of this, that kind of thing. And it's funny. It's talking about 20 years ago now. It stuck with you. You never forgot it because yeah. you knew that is not a way I want to feel. And that's why so much of what we're going to do on the real estate side in this discussion here, look, if we don't do the work now, when it's easy to sit at home, binge on Netflix and relax and do whatever it is you do, that's not how we're going to get what we need to get to. That's not. Yeah. All right. I mean, I, and I, I think you got to start with the basics. Are you getting up every morning at the same time? My, my clock goes off at 5 a.m. prior to the quarantine. My alarm clock goes off at 5 a.m. during the quarantine. I'm up every day. I continue my workouts. I continue my meditation. I get my protein shake. I take my shower. I put on a collared shirt every day. Is that weird or what? Um, I put on, I'm wearing khaki pants right now. I shave my face. Like I literally treat this like a job. I get up and I go to work. But instead of getting in my car and driving for 30 minutes to my office, I get to walk from my kitchen into my office and start my day. But nothing in my routine has changed. I love it. That's fantastic. All right. Tell me, in your opinion, what makes this current dip we're in different than 08, 09? I've heard people say, oh, this is just reminds me so much of 08, 09. What, what do you think are the differences here on this current dip and reset we're going to go through? Yeah, I think that the difference is you're looking at a, a an economic recession in 2008, and now you're looking at more of a production recession in, in 2020. And what I mean by that is 
in 2008, it was a lot of the economics were pointing to this problem. We had lenders that were way too, uh, way too lax as far as who got loans and how they qualified. We had appraisers that were appraising a property that would go up 25,000 every month in a neighborhood until a home's $100,000 more a year later. We had um, you know, all the subprime and what was being done in the background that could, was not sustainable. You had all these economic factors. And then you had buyers that were like, wait a minute, I don't want to pay 100000 more than I paid than my neighbor paid a year ago. That's crazy. So they stopped. And all of these economic uh, forces came together and created one of the biggest, uh, you know, real estate recessions we've seen in our history. And I think that all had valid points and we can all look back and see exactly what that did. But right now we're not in that same space. We have great uh, lending requirements. It's not easy to get a loan. The appraisers are still doing a very good job and being very conservative. You've got interest rates that are helping buyers with affordability. So buyers still want to be in the market. They still want to buy. You've got low inventory on the seller side, which high demand and low supply is always going to move the market up. So all of these things are pointing towards a really good spring, a really good 2020. And then all of a sudden we get hit with something that we weren't expecting. And now shipping times are slowing and now businesses are closing and now people are losing their jobs. And there is this mass hysteria of uncertainty. And that uncertainty is causing everyone to pause. Now, the difference is before people were, were done, they were out of the market, they were not interested in buying, too many sellers wanted to sell at the same time. That was an economic. This is more of a production. There's, there is a pent-up demand building every single day with people that do want to buy and do want to sell, but they're waiting. They're waiting for the production, uh, the, the, the clogs in production to lift and allow us to all get back to work. We're seeing people that are getting furloughed right now and, you know, essentially losing their pay. But a furlough is exactly that. We know that they're going to get that job back. Most likely they're going to be able to become gainfully employed. And this is a blip on the radar. But during this blip, nobody wants to move. Yeah, this is this is uh, I think this is important. And I spend a lot of time in data. I think it's there's too many times that people. You can have your opinion, you just can't have your own facts, right? And here's the facts. The replacement cost for a house when it was at our peak of crazy in 2008-9 was 2.1. Placement cost today is 1.56. Literally, it's been that number approximately for 13 months. There's no economic. You have the greatest demand for property with the least inventory in 13 years. The median household rent versus median household income is you take the you take your annualized rent, average rent, then you take the median home price and the mean home price in America. That number today is seventeen point one. Now, Nick, back in the crazy day in 0809, that number was twenty four point four. So there's not a single economic factor that says this is a housing problem. You're exactly right, which is why we call this series the gap. It's a gap, and you're right. The worst thing we can do is be selling today. I tell yes. my ancillary business partners in title, you should be providing support, value, mentorship, and, and, and best-in-class opportunities from people. You should not be trying to sell people stuff today. And I'm a sales guy. I love mm -hmm. to sell. Right now, it's about how can we help people 
Okay, activate, right? And then you hit it on the head. This is going to pass. And when it does, the people that are doing what they're supposed to be doing are the ones that are going to win. All right, do this for me. Give me your top three strategies for right now to make sure you're way ahead of this thing moves. And Nick, I want you to do this because it was brilliant last time we talked. I want you to talk about how every strategy, uh, every tactic looks great when there's not a strategy. Kind of give your take on that, which I think is so brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Steve and I were talking about tactics and the ways to sell real estate. And it doesn't matter if you're the waterfront expert, the condo expert, the farm expert, the first time home buyer expert, the downsizing expert, whatever it is, there's a million great, <clears throat> a million great tactics when it comes to selling real estate. But in the absence of a strategy, all of those look brilliant and you end up chasing 50 different strings. Now, once you develop a strategy of what your goals are and what you want to work, so my strategy is I want to work with people who know, like, and trust me. I want to work through referral and repeat business. So if that's my strategy, I'm not worried about condos. I'm not worried about waterfront. I'm not worried about first-time home buyers. I'm not worried about uh, you know people that are downsizing. In fact, all of those things will be important to me when I find someone that knows, likes, and trusts me that needs a waterfront, a condo, a downsizing, whatever it may be. But I'm not chasing all those other things. I'm focused on one thing, and that's my referral and repeat business. So I think there's really three things that, that we need to do is one, we've got to set a strategy. What is your goal? What do you want to be? Do you want to be the expired guy? Do you want to have a certain neighborhood and you want to start doing farming? Pick a strategy first and then find the five tactics that are going to help you get to that end goal of that strategy. Now, the difference is once you have your your strategy set and you have your goal in mind and you pick your five tactics. Now, every other tactic that you hear that sounds so wonderful and so amazing, you can literally just look at that and say, yeah, that's a great idea, but it's not for my strategy. That doesn't help me accomplish my strategy and my goals. So I'm going to say no to that. One of the hardest Nick, things love, about business is saying no. I love this about you. Once you got clearly focused you say no 90% of the time to people that come to you with a great idea or a program or this. And you always say it, this may actually work. It just doesn't fit my strategy. So uh, if you're out there listening, here's the thing. Not everybody can be a cold caller. Not everybody likes that, right? I know Nick didn't like it, right? No, not me. If expires and, 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 you know, if expires and fizzbills work for you, then do it. If not, talk about Nick. You want, you're more relational. You want to create from contact to client to conversation to conversion. That's kind of the methodology you walk through. Give us your five tactics because you said, hey, for me, Steve, I'm going to create a louder, bigger, more engaged sphere. That's how I'm going to get more people that know me, like me, trust me, to work with me. Give the five tactics you did fear-based. I love your five, five, five. So don't be afraid to go into that either. Yeah, absolutely. So I think number one thing we have to realize is our emotional proximity to our clients is going to Ooh. is going to be the number one indicator of whether they call you or not when they need help in real estate. So when I talk about emotional proximity, when you travel, now remember this is back in the day when we could jump on a plane and go anywhere. Now we're all stuck in our houses, but when you did travel and it was time to go out to a nice dinner, what did you do? You pulled up Yelp or Google or Facebook or you asked somebody the concierge or something like that. And that's how you found the best restaurant. And then you went and you enjoyed it. 
But when you're at home and you're in your own area and somebody comes to visit you and says, hey, let's go out to a nice dinner. Do you need to do any of those things? Do you need to check Facebook? Do you need to ask Google? Did you need to go to Yelp? No, you know exactly where you want to go and you know exactly the service you're going to get. You probably already know the meal you're going to order. And all of this because you're in an emotional proximity with that restaurant. You know it, you appreciate it, you think of it, and you remember it. We need to do the same thing with our clients. So when we sell somebody a house and then there's a span of five to seven years till they want to buy or sell another house and we don't have any contact with them, in six months, they've pretty much forgotten we exist. By after a year, we're, we're just ancient history. It was just, oh yeah, that one guy or that one girl. So it's our job to stay in connection with them because there's two things that we're looking for. If you heard me, I said, my business is referral and repeat. So yes, I want their repeat business in five to seven years when they're ready to move up or, or move out, whatever. But I also need a referral during those five to seven years. And too many of us are so concentrated on about the seven to 10 weeks prior to somebody buying a house. And we forget everything for the first six years or five years in, in a couple of months. And we just focus on that last two. Well, if I can just get in front of them eight weeks before they're ready to buy, I can be their agent. <laughs> You can't, you can't plan that. You can't, uh, you can't set, uh, like there's no set clock where, okay, this is the date they're going to start looking. The only way to do it is to stay in emotional proximity. So the five, five, five method that you mentioned, this is exactly what we do. So everybody in your database, I don't want you to take everybody. I want you to take only the people that know, like, and trust you. They've either, they've either, uh, enjoyed your services or they've referred your services. So they've either done business with you or they've referred you business, but they know, like, and trust you. If you walked into a grocery store, you'd recognize them. They'd recognize you. You guys would talk for two or three minutes and then you go about your day. It's somebody who knows you. This is not an internet lead. This is not somebody you met at an open house. This is people that know, like, and trust you. That number is going to be much smaller than your actual database. So you're going to take the, that number and let's pick a number like 325, 325 people in that group. Maybe you're less, Got maybe it. you're a little bit more, doesn't matter. 325 is our number. On day one, you're going to call and have five conversations. I don't care which person out of that 325, but five conversations. And when you have that conversation, you're going to talk for five minutes and you're always going to start, especially right now, your conversation is going to start like this. Hey, Steve. How are you? How's the family doing through all this? And that's it. Because if it. he's dealing and then with- wherever that conversation takes you is where you go, right? Yes. If, if Nick, he... we're doing okay. I'm still got my job. Well, that's great. You didn't, you it wasn't going to real estate. It goes wherever they lead you, correct? Yes, exactly. Because when you go into real estate, you're selling. You're trying to get them to move in the direction that you want. You're not being empathetic. You're not understanding their position. And if you don't understand where someone is and you don't understand where they want to go, how are you trying to sell them anything anyway? Like you've got to understand them first. So we start with how are you? How's the family? How are you guys doing through all this? And then we set a reminder in 30 days, that exact five people I'm going to, uh, to reach out to on social media and I'm going to make a comment on one of their posts. I'm going to, I'm going to put something out there. So if Steve has a picture of his dog, 
I'm going to make a comment and say, oh, Steve, your dog is adorable. How long have you had him? Where did you get him? And he says, oh, this is a rescue. We got him three years ago. He's been absolutely fantastic. He's another member of our family. He's my third child. And I said, that's great, Steve. Hope you and the family are doing well. Talk soon. Now, if you noticed, month one, we spoke on the phone. I checked in on him. Month two, we connected for two or three minutes on social media. Now, month three, so on day 90, now I'm going to send him a text or a handwritten note. And it can be about anything. I can say, hey, Steve, I was just in your neighborhood showing houses uh, to a new buyer that I have. And I just, I was thinking about you guys. I hope the family's well. So what did I say in that text message? I'm still in real estate. I have buyers. So if you know anybody looking to buy in this area, I'm good. I, I know this area very well. If you know anybody looking to sell, I have buyers. I care about you and I'm still around. So if you need anything, I'm here. I, I did all that in a two, two sentence text message. So now I'll watch this. Keep going. Sorry. Keep going. (laughs) So now we're just going to repeat the cycle. So in month four, five, and six, it's going to be a phone call, a a social media touch and a um, handwritten note or a text again. And then you're going to repeat that four times. So at the end of the year, every person in your database, that is someone who knows, likes, and trusts you has done business with you or has referred you business. That person will get four phone calls from you four social media touches from you and four text messages from you over the course of a year spread out in a way that keeps you in emotional proximity without aggravating or annoying somebody. You know what I love, Nick? I just did the math on your team, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got 17 agents on your team, correct? Yes. You have 22,100 emotional proximity quality touches a year to your database. Of 300, if they all had 325 people each one. Yes. Think that's how you go from doing 42 deals eight years ago to 411 now. How many deals did you put in escrow earlier this week? Uh, We did 11 by Thursday. I think we ended up with 12 or 13 by the end of the week. Yeah. And this is what makes it interesting to me. You are, I've watched you. You scoreboard this every week in your office. It's not a negotiation, it's not a debate. If they don't do it, they got a one-on-one sit down with you when you come in the morning and you explain to them, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty good guy. I can be flexible. My standards are not. This is simply what it is. Either you can do this and work here, or I'm going to help you find your way out to something else more suitable. And the truth is now your people, it's part of their culture. Five, 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 every single day. Five, 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 every day, the scoreboard every day adding people to your to your uh your database as far as who is going to be potential clients that eventually will become in your 555 plan like that's a constant uh a constant push so the 555 once you do it for the first 90 days it's it's on autopilot every day you wake up and the five people you called 90 days ago that's who you're calling the five people that you uh, social media text 60 days ago, that's where you're, you know, it's very simple yep. that once you get that, it's first a system. It's a, well, that's why after 90 days, they come in and they have a purpose for the first two and a half hours. Yeah. Right? This is what I do. And by the way, what I love is I've heard people tell me, man, I'm going to make many people do 50 a day. That's 150. I go, here's the problem. Then they don't do it. Then they think they're failing. Then you're always yelling. At 555, you grew your business a thousand percent. Yep. But you know what? They did it every single day. Big difference. All right. 
Um, anything else you want to add there before we jump to the next question? Yeah, I mean, if you read Atomic Habits, if you want to get started in something, you've got to start very small, take very small steps, very small little bites before you start taking on big things. So a 555 method, right now, if you're not lead generating, so you're putting in zero hours of lead gen, it's very easy for Steve and I to say, you need to be doing three to four hours every single day. You're not going to do it. But if I tell you for the first month, you got to make five, you got to have five conversations at five minutes a piece. So for month one, I need 25 minutes of your time. Can you do that? Most people will say yes. Then we add in five social media texts in, in, uh, in uh, month two. So now we've got 25 minutes on the phone and what another 10 minutes on social media. Okay. So I need 35 minutes by 90 by day, uh, by day, uh, whatever, the last month, you're now at mm -hmm. five minutes of text messaging. So total, you're at 40 to 45 minutes to do the entire program. And this is just staying in touch with the people who know, like, and trust you. If you did that, like, think about it right now. If you would have called all those people in your database four times last year, text them four times last year and connect with them on social media four times. Everyone, not the five or 10 that you're best friends with, but nope. every single nope. one of them, how many more referrals would you have gotten? How many more repeat customers would you have gotten? How much more would you be in their close emotional proximity? Nick, you are my ambassador and mentor of emotional proximity. <laughs> I love that. All right, do me a favor, just for context, brother. Of your 400 deals, how many of them came through the database, I know you you generate leads from, you know, you've got Boomtown, you generate leads in coming into the system, but but how many of them came from your database of your 400, what percentage? Uh, so 80, 82% uh, last year, and I think it was uh, maybe 78% the year before that came from people that already know, like, and trust us. That is by far and away our number one source. And it's our number one source because it's also our only strategy. It's, it's or our most important strategy. We're not chasing everything. We're focused on one thing yeah. and doing it really, really well. Once you can get them in the database and they get into the 555 flow with your agent team, now you know you're going to get a referral at some point in time. You're going to get a two-way conversation at some point in time. You're going to create an opportunity even before they actually transact where they can refer you a transaction thinking about you, et cetera. Brilliant. All right. In closing, last thing, give me a skill right now that you are ninja focused on becoming the baddest human being on the planet with. Because I know right now we have time to develop a skill. What skill are you like? I have to learn this skill now, whether it's become a ninja at your database, whether it's, hey, I'm, I'm focusing on Zoom and understanding that piece. But what is, what is it you're looking to do and why? Um, I, I think right now my number one goal is to educate the agents on my team. I see this too often that people that are scared or uncertain or, or give in to the stress, end up freezing. It's that, it's that flight or fight. Paralysis. Yeah, that, that paralysis yep. where they don't know what to do, so they're just going to do nothing. And what happens is if we're not well-trained salespeople, we allow that to happen, we okay it, and then we can't move either because our client can't move, so we can't move. So what I've learned is, you know, let's do a quick uh, role play, you and I, because uh, I actually just had this oh. conversation this morning, Steve. So you're a seller. You want to sell your house, but you're also nervous about showings and people coming in your house. So just give me that. 
Nick, you know, I, I like the idea of going to the market. I know I've seen my neighbor's house the last three or four months, but I'm not keen to have people come in my home, put their hands on my counters, touching doorknobs. And they just don't feel comfortable. With that. Yeah, Steve. And, and I completely understand. Here's the good news, though. With, with COVID-19, it's made all of us, the entire real estate industry, really transform the way we do business. So I want to first make sure you understand what we're going to do to market your property. And we're going to do video and we're going to do 3D and we're going to do fixtures and we're going to have everything online and blah, 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 blah. And I go into all that piece. Now, the, the point of all that is to give so much information out there that someone that's going to come to see your house is only coming for the validity of, I knew I liked it online. Yes, I want this house. So what that means is whenever there is a showing, that showing is going to be by appointment only. They're going to call me directly, and I'm going to ask them a series of questions. Number one, has anybody in the party had any symptoms, any fevers, any coughing, anything like that? Because we don't want them coming in if they have. Number two, I'm going to ask, where is their pre-approval? We want to see that before they're even able to show your house. And number three, I want to know what's their motivation. What are they doing that they need to buy a house right now during all of this? And I can tell you, uh, Steve, that I've heard everything from job relocation to government, military transfer to divorce. Like there are people that desperately need a home. And those are the people that we want to let in your house. But We've actually gone a step further. So when you are showing your house, what we're going to ask you to do is have all your lights on, all your doors open, your pantry open, all of your light shades up, everything open so that when they get there, we ask that only the people signing the contract can actually be present for the showing. So no kids, no groups, no family members. It's just the husband and wife or whoever it may be. Then... We ask them that the only person who can touch the lockbox and the front doorknob is the buyer's agent, and they must use either a glove or a Lysol wipe. Now, once they're inside the home, no one in that party should touch any of your surfaces. They should not sit on your couches. No one should do anything but walk through. Now, we've set up the house. We've got all the lights on. We've got all the doors open so that no one has to touch any surfaces. And Steve, this is not just to protect you. This is also to protect the buyer, the buyer's agent, and the community as a whole. So I can understand your, your concern. Does that help alleviate anything? I feel much better about that, Nick. That'd be great. Yeah, so, so now I'm, see, I'm taking the see, that, This is you, You've already done this. You've already got people to see you're going above and beyond what would be required to the point that if I'm coming open, let's be honest, Nick, in today's world, Nobody's going to roll by an open house that they haven't already looked at online, mm -hmm, correct? Mm -hmm. It's not happening anymore. So now if I've done that, you've qualified me. You've made it, given me some hurdles to jump to even get into this house, and I'm still willing to come, and I'm going to go through this process. Now you have a legitimate chance to transact. Right. True. I love it, man. That, okay, if you're listening now, that there's a nugget, along with your creating emotional proximity, there's your nugget of how you basically qualify to a confirmed open house opportunity, right? You don't need to have just people walking through. Those days are those days are not coming back in the near future where there's signs and balloons out who just drive by and decide to roll up. That's not gonna be how this plays out in the future. They're gonna look online. All of our big Rise Nation partners are doing more virtual open houses, 3D open houses, Facebook Live walkthroughs prior to such that people can view it and then from that come make a decision. 
Nick, anything else you want to leave us with? Any uh, words of wisdom to leave us with? Let you um, yeah, I, I would say for everybody listening to this call, if you're a 1099 appointment and you can see that your income's being affected and you're going through all this as well, pay attention, get in with the SBA, look what they're doing with unemployment because now they've opened it up to people like us that have never been allowed unemployment before. Just be aware and, and understand what benefits are out there for you so that not only you can get through this, you can, you can thrive on the other side of it. So that's, that's my one piece to keep you guys all surviving. But if you truly want to thrive, this next three months is the three months leading up to your soccer tryout or your lacrosse tryout or your baseball tryout, whatever it may be. What are you doing for the next three months to be in the best shape of your life, to have the best skills, to be the biggest market expert so that when you show up for that tryout, when we're all let loose and able to leave our houses and go on appointments again, who are you going to be when you show up to that house? I love it, man. And I will tell you, Nick, people listening, if we're not creating emotional proximity to the people in your database, we're missing a huge opportunity right now more than ever. All right, brother. I love you. Thank you, man. Yes, Appreciate sir. it. Stay safe with your family. Thank you okay? for having me.